0: This CBF podcast conversation is presented to you by Fuller Seminary. Fuller Seminary's MA in Theology and Ministry offers a practice-focused theology education. Study online or on campus and learn from Fuller's seasoned scholar practitioners and apply what you're learning to your own context. Whatever your ministry goals, Fuller Seminary's MA in Theology and Ministry will help you take the next steps in your vocation. For more information, visit fuller.edu backslash m-a-t-m degree that's fuller.edu backslash m-a-t-m degree
1: since 2016 cbf has brought you over 100 episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for conversations that matter these stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the united states and the world We are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests, free books from the podcast, joining the podcast for an interview, and a VIP experience with the General Assembly podcast guest. There are five levels of listener support, starting at $5 per month. For less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte, you will be featured by name on the weekly podcast episode. For more information and to join the community of listener supporters, visit cbf.net slash podcast support.
0: This is the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship's Conversations. We are bringing you stories from across the fellowship through interviews with people doing groundbreaking work in renewing God's world. Ideas, stories, and innovation from ministers, authors, and practitioners from across the fellowship and beyond. Hey podcast listeners, this is your host, Andy Hale. We are thrilled to bring you another year of CBF's podcast with a cavalcade of brilliant guests such as Father Tom Reese, Washington Post Sarah Pulliam Bailey, Mark Charles, Soong Chien Ra, and Matthew Paul Turner. And that's just skimming the surface of the first few months. As you know, last fall, we launched the Podcast Listener Support Project. This is an opportunity for you to connect closer with the podcast and premier guest, By becoming a podcast supporter, you can join me on an interview with premier guests such as Walter Brugerman, Sarah Bessie, and Brian McLaren. So check out cbf.net backslash podcast support. And now, on to our conversation. Our guests for this week's CBF podcast conversation are the Cimarelli sisters. There is Christina, Catherine, Lisa, Amy, Lauren, and Danny. The sisters are musical artists from Southern California as well as YouTube stars. Now you can add to their list of accomplishments published authors. Ladies, welcome to the conversation.
2: Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much.
0: Now, four of the six were not able to join us. So tell, tell our audience who's with us.
3: Yeah, this is Catherine, and then. And this is Amy.
0: Cool. <laughs> now, y'all. Uh, grew up in a house with, uh, I grew up in a house with three brothers. And uh, I often praise my mom for uh, allowing us to live because I'm not sure how she didn't murder all three of us boys for her sanity. (laughs) Um, Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I love my brothers and I like to be around them, but I can't imagine going into the, going into work with them. Uh, So it's rare to find two siblings that can share common goal, let alone six. So, so walk us through how all this came about that all six of y'all are in the same job together.
3: Oh my gosh. Well, it's kind of a crazy story. Um, our, so our mom is kind of like, I guess the root of our love of music. Um, our mom has her master's in piano and she taught us all to sing and play the piano when we were really little. And so music was always just like a huge part of our life very naturally. Um, also I don't know if we mentioned, but we have five brothers as well. So there's 11 kids in our family. We were just, like, this big homeschooled family, and um, so our mom taught us to sing. Um, She started a choir at our church just so we could, like, learn harmonies and sing them at church, Um, and then we just did, like, I don't know, singing at nursing homes that our grandma would have us sing for and stuff like that, so it was kind of, like, very natural having music in our house all the time, and then um, when we were teenagers, um, our oldest sister, so this is Catherine. I'm the second oldest, and Amy is the... She's the fourth oldest, yeah, girl. So Christina is the oldest, and she kind of had this dream to start a band, and she had these really big goals of like getting a record deal and moving down to L.A. Because we grew up in Sacramento, um, so it was kind of like I don't know, we were teenagers. I think Christina was seventeen when she kind of had this idea, and my mom originally she wanted to do a band with her friends, but then our mom was like, well, why don't you do it with your sisters? I mean, they're musical too, and you guys live together, so it'd be a lot (laughs) easier. So I don't think all of us were really on board with doing a band at first because we kind of had our own things going on. But um, she kind of coaxed us into it. And then eventually we ended up doing it together and we kind of started um, the band in 2007. So that was kind of how everything started.
0: So, I mean, for your five brothers, are they OK not being as successful as you?
2: Well, they're very successful in their own rights. I what they <laughs> do, but they don't like, um like, they it's not, they don't, our music is not the kind of music they jive with, if you feel me. They're yeah. very much into like Metallica or like more like guitar driven, like rock stuff or like teen music because like three of them are younger. They're like 18 to 14. So they all do their own things and they love to support us. But it's definitely not something that they could see themselves doing.
0: Well, if they're listening to Metallica, we we do need to influence them to listen to your music a bit more. Uh, Metallica oh, yeah. is, is so far gone. So, but uh, so <laughs> you're you're from Northern California, but now you're in Nashville. Um, is that right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, I imagine this time of year, you you really would rather be back in Northern California.
3: Um, no, I mean, it's funny, so we grew up in um a suburb of Sacramento, and we were about an hour hour and a half outside of Lake Tahoe, so we kind of grew up where we got four seasons, but they were just not as like extreme, I guess as other parts of the country. but, like it's noted our house a few times growing up, like the winters were rainy and more cold, like we definitely got seasons, but I don't know, I feel like Nashville also isn't that extreme with seasons, especially compared to like other parts of the country, yeah. And it was weird living in
2: Southern California
3: where there weren't any seasons and people were like surfing on Christmas. It didn't feel right. Yeah, that was, yeah, because we moved down to LA for five years. So we were in Malibu and we were like right by the ocean and that was just very strange because it was, the weather was like always the same.
0: Hmm. So walk us through the choice to come to Nashville versus staying in LA.
3: Oh man, that was, yeah, so that was deep, deep um basically so we moved we well i kind of have to back up a little so we started our band and for two years we would travel around northern california um play shows at like small little events wherever they needed a band and we ended up actually recording at a local studio in sacramento um our first ep which was really exciting breath um ironically it was actually the first place that our mom recorded she um, was in a Christian band, like a Christian rock band when she was a teenager. So we got to record at the same studio as her, which was really cool. Um, and then around that summer, it was really weird. There was a local magazine that did an article about us that was about like um, big, I, I don't know if it was big families or just families in the town, but in the article, the interviewer mentioned that we love music and that we had recently sung the national anthem at a Kings game. So anyway, that this woman locally who worked for the California state fair read the article and asked if we would sing the national anthem at the state fair and then she ended up um, asking if we would perform actually my mom said oh they actually perform their own music they have a band um if you could if you have any like opening slots there and the woman was like okay yeah we'll give them a a try you know i think she was kind of thinking like i'll just put them on the smallest stage you know throw them a bone because i don't know if they're any good But through that, the performances at the California State Fair, we ended up getting asked back and we ended up getting 11 more shows for that summer. And they announced us at the very end as the fair, the fair favorite. That's what it was. So that was pretty cool for us because we were just teenagers. um, And we were kind of like learning how to perform as a band together and, you know, live performance and all that. And then in 2009, so we'd already been a band for two years, kind of doing these local things. In 2009, um, it was actually my idea, which is kind of crazy, but there was just, like, people were just starting to do covers on YouTube, and I had this crazy idea that we should sing Party in the USA, which um, was, like, a really popular song at the time, and upload our cover of it, and then um, put it on YouTube, so we did that, and it ended up going viral, and we ended up getting discovered by a manager who was very successful from London. So her daughter in London found our video and you know, we're in Sacramento. We didn't have any connections to music industry that ended up being a huge connection for us. And long story short, we ended up in less than a year getting a record deal with um, universal. So like a major label and moving down to Los Angeles for five years. So we lived um, outside of LA for five years and we were in, you know, enmeshed in the pop industry there. And um, it was, I mean, I think we're grateful for the experience. We learned a lot. We got to work with some really incredible people. Um, we got to work with like some top songwriters and go to all these events. And it was really like, you know, quote, our dreams were coming true, end quote. You know, at least what we thought we wanted. But at the end of those five years, we found ourselves emptier than we had ever felt. And we kind of were on the verge of quitting music. And I think the the reasoning, the reason for that is um, it's just really hard to be a christian and be in the pop industry because we never were fully a christian band we are a band that is in the secular world um and we don't sing christian music but we are very strong in our faith so it was confusing to have to like have our morals and not want to kind of give in to the typical what they expect of women in the pop industry of like basically selling yourself for your your music we didn't want to do that so it was very hard for us to kind of fit in and make it in the LA pop industry and we felt very out of place and very lost. Um but we still had our YouTube and our YouTube was growing. We were getting millions of subscribers. Um we got over a billion views. So it was confusing. So it was like we were having so much success. We knew that the fans liked it, but the industry didn't really seem to understand it. Yeah. They couldn't
2: find a place for us.
3: yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we ended up um in 2015 we were just getting really, really burned out and we kind of were feeling like on the verge of just giving up music and maybe doing something else and just kind of through I really think it was like an act of God um, we ended up kind of hearing through different friends about Nashville and we randomly got invited by a record label in Nashville to come out for a songwriting week so we came out to Nashville in January and we absolutely loved it and we ended up leaving our label and moving to Nashville um, four years ago and I think that was one of the best decisions that we ever made. It completely revived our souls.
0: That's refreshing to hear. but I mean, I've also heard the Christian music industry can be cutthroat as well. I mean, it's very competitive. They're looking for a certain look and feel, and it always seems to be trying to replicate whatever's happening, quote, in, you know, the normal music industry. Uh, so I think it's something to be said that y'all have, you know, maintained the integrity of your faith, but also Done music that doesn't necessarily kind of um, alienate you from a certain audience, which I think allows you to kind of speak to a broader audience. Um, y- you do covers and original music. My personal favorite was your cover of uh, One Direction's "Live While You're Young." Uh, but-
2: oh, <laughs> that <laughs> is such a fun video. I love that video. <laughs> well, what's
0: what's your, what's your favorite uh, group to cover? Who do you who do you wish you all that you, maybe you will have coming up that you want to cover?
2: Oh man, um, that's a good question, Amy. What do you think? I really like how we can kind of do what, like cover whatever we want. My favorite covers are usually our One Direction covers that we did while they were banned. R.I.P. One Direction. Um, But I'm so excited that throwback things are coming back to popularity. So I'm looking forward to maybe doing some throwback covers if we go down that direction.
0: Yeah. Well, I was hoping you wouldn't like age some of us out as my uh, eight-year-old daughter says when she talks about things that seem to be like a long time ago. She says, you know, back in the 1980s, dad, when you were a kid. So, uh,
2: <laughs> so you,
0: you produce your own music. Um, it, that's a different beast altogether. Um, wh- what do you love about writing your own music? And what makes the process difficult?
3: Oh, man, that's a really good question. I mean, I think for so for us, for our songwriting, it's different for every song, truly. Um, some songs, someone will come in with an entire song already written top to bottom, and it's just perfect, and we all love it, and it's like, okay, this is perfect for the band, let's do this. Sometimes um, someone will come in with like a half-written song, and we'll finish it up together, um, or sometimes we'll all just write a song together from scratch. So it's the process is definitely very different depending on the song. Um, I guess one of the harder things is having six sisters, when you when you do write a song just by yourself and you have like a certain vision for it and then you bring it into for the band it's kind of like sometimes you do have to kind of compromise a little bit like maybe there's a few things that the band you know the rest of everyone is like well you know if we change this a little bit that would fit better for the group but you're like this is my original song so I think that's probably one of the harder harder parts of songwriting together but I think one of the the most amazing things about it is just the ability to express ourselves and what we're going through um, and share that as sisters and then share that with our fans, that's just an, un, you know, I, don't, I can't even describe it. It's like an indescribable experience that is so unique that we get to share together.
0: This podcast is presented to you by the Center for Congregational Health. At the center, we believe God has called and empowered congregations to change the world. For 25 years, center consultants, coaches and educators have been supporting congregations, clergy and lay leaders as they meet the ongoing challenges of congregational life, including training ministers to manage transition, helping congregations work through polarizing conflict, coaching clergy to discover and utilize their gifts for ministry and assisting congregations in discerning God's call to future missions and ministry center consultants and coaches don't dispense expert advice. Instead, they recognize the uniqueness of each congregation and work to create the space needed for God's people to discern and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Please visit our website, healthychurch.org, to learn more about the center and find the help you need in order to thrive in missions and ministry. Well, if you haven't checked um, recently, you have over 5.2 million subscribers on YouTube and are crossing the 1 million threshold on on Instagram. Does that ever register with you that you have so many people following and and connecting to your work?
2: Honestly, it's really unbelievable to me. Like... I'm so proud of the work we've done and the people that we get to share it with. I have so much love for all of them. But numbers like that are so hard for the brain to like envision.
3: Mhm. Yeah, it is really weird.
0: Now, as I said before, you can kind of um add to your um uh, you know, accomplishments now that you're you're authored you you guys released a new book, Believing in You Big Sister Stories and advice on living your best life. Uh, this book is uniquely written from each of your six perspectives on the dreaded teenage years. Um, but this book is uh, not just about you, but it's, it's for your fans and other girls facing difficult and confusing and awkward times of life. Uh, you wrote, one of the greatest challenges of becoming a teenager is learning to love and take care of ourselves, our bodies, our hearts, our minds, because let's face it, sometimes we feel like a mess and it's hard to know what to do about it. So walk us through the formation of this book in general.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we, I think we'd always dreamed about coming out with a book. That was like a very big bucket list type of item on our, I guess, list of things we wanted to do. Um, and it kind of was born back in 2016. Um, we, you know, since we started on YouTube in 2009, um, immediately we were connected with all of these young girls all over the world were sending in these stories about their lives they would you know sometimes share things with us they never even told anyone in their real life and just things they were struggling with and things that they had problems with Um, and you know of course our hearts were breaking for them and we wanted to write back and send them our advice and you know I felt like we were constantly just messaging people and trying to help out and eventually as the YouTube kept growing it just got really overwhelming and it was like oh my gosh like we can't get to everyone, and we want to, and, you know, we'd try to write as many fan letters, or answer, you know, Instagram messages, but you can only do so much, so we kind of had this idea, what if we compile, like, what are the most, you know, common topics that we've been asked about, and just what are the most common topics that we know, you know, teen girls especially face in in their lives, Um, what are they struggling with, and, and kind of the idea was, let's write the book that we wish we had when we were teenagers. And that was kind of how the whole thing was born.
0: Well, it's such a, a unique book because, um, you know, are positioned to write from six different perspectives. Um, in fact, you wrote, uh, all six of us have unique, very different personalities and experiences. Some of us are shy and introverted, others bubbly and outgoing, some fiery and driven, others peaceful and sensitive we're guessing that every girl who reads this will relate to each of us in a different way. Um, how, how did this, this unique six sided perspective come about? I guess the the choice to kind of write each of your voices into the book.
3: Well, I think, I think just kind of as that paragraph describes it, we are all so different. Um, we're actually really into personality psychology. So we love the Myers-Briggs. We love the Enneagram, like all those different things we can learn about yourself. And, it's funny because each of us has a different Myers-Briggs type and a different Enneagram type. So because of, I mean, just how different the six of us are, we do have very unique perspectives. So I think for all of us, you know, there's, I think there's universal things that women go through as teenagers, but also there was things that were very unique to us. Like some of us are very outgoing and we felt, Oh, you know, is my personality too big? Am I too loud? Am I too much? Some of us were are more shy and we're like, am I you know I feel invisible I feel like no one notices me and I can't speak up when I want to so I think just having the six very different personalities with different struggles gives the book another unique spin so hopefully girls will read it and they'll be able to relate to probably multiple of us in different ways but there's something there's something for every you know different personality in there.
0: Now, um, deeply embedded within your work is your faith, as you mentioned earlier, and that's that's a part of this book. Uh, Christina wrote, uh, "With him, I am accepted. I am fully known. I am loved, regardless of my mistakes or my flaws. I don't have to pretend to try to be anything. With God, He is unconditional love. I wonder if you'll take us a little deeper here and and why this was a message you wanted to convey to your readers.
3: I think that well, so for us, our faith is really really central to who we are and it guides everything that we do and we've had it's it just kind of a strange experience we've had being christian in the secular world we've kind of had to like walk this line very carefully but we know that a lot of our fans are not christian they're not or they're they're falling away or they're just kind of apathetic about it so we wanted to be able to put something out that explained this is why um you know faith is important to us and here's kind of how we've experienced God we're not experts we're not theologians you know but we have our own personal experiences that we can share and our hope was that it would be something relatable especially to the people that don't know God or who are searching and that's actually been one of the most common comments we've gotten from people who have read the book is people say that um you know because we talk about prayer we talk about getting closer to God we talk about how I guess how we've experienced God in our lives Um, and a lot of people have said that reading the book has inspired them to grow in their faith or that they feel closer to God. So that's really what, you know, the reasoning for that message is.
0: What's been the most challenging aspect of of being a person of faith in the industry that you're in?
2: I think it can be kind of an isolating space to be as a person of faith, because that's not something that's talked about regularly, but we've really tried so hard to just stay true to ourselves no matter what people say, no matter what the people around us in history say, or no matter what um comes our way, what challenges, to be like this is our faith and we're here to proclaim it in a uh, many different ways. Ones that involve talking directly about it and ones that just involve leading by example.
0: How do you try to Connect with your audience again. I mean, as you said, you you didn't you intentionally didn't choose to go to kind of in the Christian Christian music industry, but um, certainly your faith informs how you carry yourself and how you connect with your audience. So, how how do you connect with your audience about your faith individually and collectively?
3: I think a good way to sum it up is: there's a shir- there's a quote that used to be on the back of a shirt at our youth group, and it said, "Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words." And I feel like that's kind of what, um, what we try to do in our career, I guess. Um, it's funny how being subtle about your faith is a lot more obvious sometimes than being obvious about it. Yeah. I guess. So like people would find things in our videos that I don't think we even noticed because like wh- what people love the most about our videos, the reason they actually became fans, it wasn't necessarily the music or the harmonies. Although I know there are some people that love that. It was actually more, a lot more people love watching us interact as sisters and they love us being weird and bizarre in the bloopers, so the bloopers were actually one of the biggest draws for people, and in the bloopers, a lot of people would be like, huh, I noticed you like mention your face, or oh, you guys always wear cross necklaces, like they would just kind of notice these subtle little things, and that's what would draw them in, Um, so I feel like for us, it's and and then kind of, you know, as we became more comfortable sharing our faith, I think at first, we weren't as comfortable, because we did get judged for it, um, and so we were kind of scared, but we kind of became more bold as time went on, like, okay, this is who we are. We're not going to hold it back, and we became. We started putting in our videos more. We, we shared a video with our testimonies. We actually did a full Christian album, so we've done, what is maybe four or five albums? Yeah. And mean. one of them, um, our album called Alive, we felt really called to do a full-on Christian album, so we kind of, like, sprinkle it throughout our career, but we also make it so that it's not, like... I guess, hitting you over the head for someone who yeah. is more secular, but just try to keep it natural with who we are.
2: Yeah, because it's so, um, what is the word I was going to say? It's just so embedded in our lives that it, makes, it only makes sense to share it through our career, especially when you're like on the internet or an influencer where you share so much of your life. It would be odd for us to not share it. It just comes through. And it was hard at first because we never had a clear role model on how to do this, like how to be secular or Christian in the secular industry or because there's not there's some people who walk that line, but it's harder to find. And we really wanted to be a role model for girls who were looking for someone who had faith and looking in different um, avenues for that.
0: Well, it's a unique position y'all are in. Um, I I say that primarily because y'all are uh, Christians. Um, You come from the Roman Catholic tradition. You know, for many people who experience kind of the Christian music industry, it tends to be kind of evangelical. So how do you think you've, and that tends to be a divide for many people in this country, the misconceptions we have about our different denominations and Christian practices. Um, So have there been some unique ways that you've been able to kind of convey the story of, um, your Catholic-centric faith on those that maybe didn't come from that particular uh, Christian background.
3: That's a really good, a really good and deep question. I feel like, I feel like in general we've had a really good experience with evangelicals. Like I feel like they've been very welcoming, um, and a lot of our really good friends are evangelical. So I don't even feel like we have to necessarily, I guess, defend it as much because we are really proud of it. We love our Catholic faith. We're really open about it. Um, we share, I don't know, little different aspects of it throughout the year, like going to Ash Wednesday Mass, like those little things, we love sharing that with people, and we actually haven't gotten too much of a divide, I know what you're talking about, because I know people have mentioned it, and a couple people have said, you know, sent messages like, oh, you're going to hell because you're Catholic or something, but in, you know, the vast majority, I think our experience with evangelical has been very positive, and I hopefully, I mean, I would like to think the divide is closing because i mean i've always thought like i think satan wants us to be divided mm-hmm. as christians because as they say divide and conquer so i think um the different dom- denominations coming together is the absolute most powerful yeah. thing we can do in the christian world
2: because we all have the same end goal which is to follow christ mm-hmm. and it's like united we are so much stronger
0: hmm Well, you can always have in your back pocket, if somebody sends you that hell comment again, you can say, well, technically purgatory first, and then maybe, you know. (laughs) (laughs)
2: I'm
0: glad to hear you've had positive experience for evangelical, because somebody who was raised in that particular tradition, uh, I I am shocked, because again and again, I mean, there's been so many times where it's just like, oh, really, we're gonna embarrass ourselves again, again, okay, all right. Uh, So I'm encouraged to hear that. Let's let's talk briefly about uh, the dating section of the book. I love this section of the book um, because it was not a nuanced version of kissing, dating, goodbye that was crammed down my my soul as a teenage Christian. Um, You know, I have two daughters, and I've informed them that boys are stupid, and I should know because I am one. And my advice (laughs) to them is that you know, boys' brains don't fully form until they're in their twenties, so maybe. You know, my advice is if you don't want to start dating till you're 30, I would be okay with that. Um,
2: (laughs) honestly, that was our mother's advice too, but it was more 24. So this year, now that I'm 24, I'm finally old enough to date. But that (laughs) was more of not a rule, but just like, oh, yeah, you should wait till you're older when the braids are fully developed.
3: Well, it's funny because I thought I heard her say 25 to me, and I met my fiance when I was 25. So it's almost like my brain was like, okay, Kath, now you're actually allowed to be with someone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I agree that it's so tricky in like like dating, especially as a teenager. It's so confusing. It's so traumatic. It's really confusing and it can be really dramatic and can be really honestly traumatic. Um, so I, in our book and our chapter on dating and also on our podcast, We try to give our best advice because we know teen girls are going to want to date. Boys are cute, no matter what their brain usage is, you know, (laughs) like, um, so we try to give them the best advice so they can be armed to make the best decisions that they can and to protect their heart, but also to open it.
0: Well, what I appreciated most about the chapter is it's coming from, um, from you, um, you know, from the experience you all have had versus, I think oftentimes at least from the Christian tradition, the dating advice they're getting are from some, you know, 40 to 50 year old white guy, you know, sitting in an office somewhere or his pastor to church. And it's like, I don't necessarily know if that's who I want speaking to my daughters about, about dating from a, from a spiritual standpoint. So I was grateful for the chapter on that <laughs> and and the grace you give to, to us guys, even though our brains some of us really don't fully form until we're in our mid thirties. So, um,
2: <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. Oh, we appreciate that. Yeah. yeah we, we really
3: appreciate that. Well,
2: what's, I think what's, dating was
3: really important for us for, to, to include in there. And because I, I agree with you, like I read dating goodbye and I read other Christian purity books as a teenager. And, um, some of them I found very helpful. There's, there's one that I loved, um, called how to find your soulmate without losing your soul. Um, it's a Catholic author, but it's Jason and Crystalina Evert. and that was my, probably my favorite book that really, really cemented purity for me, but in a way that was applicable, and it had a lot of the same. But it was very lighthearted and um, accessible, and I really liked that because it was written by a married couple who was younger. So I felt like, oh, okay, they're kind of like where I want to be in, you know, in 10 years or whatever. So that was that was helpful for me as a teenager. But I agree, there definitely are some out there that are really the messages can be very damaging. Hmm. Yeah.
0: What's your, what's your hope for the book?
3: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I, I would say our hope for the book is that every girl who reads it just feels empowered and feels so much more equipped to, um, to approach these difficult life situations with grace and with strength, um, and just with dignity. And I hope that she will see her worth a little bit more. I hope that. She will date in a way that um, comes from a place of self-worth and that she will deepen her relationship with God. Um, I don't know. I just hope that she'll turn to the different chapters, whether it be a family problem or a friendship problem and just seek the advice there. And then from there, she will go to talk to family and friends and read the word and just find inspiration in other places. I just hope it'll be a starting place for people that will deepen um, their faith and their experience.
2: Yeah, and honestly, we also wanted to help girls to understand what questions to ask. Because I think a lot of the problem with being a teenager, the hard part, is you have questions, but you also have all these feelings and all these things that you don't even know what to ask about, or how to do things, or how to approach subjects. So we really wanted to help them with that in that way, because we really wish that we had had a book like that when we were teenagers.
0: I was chuckling as y'all kept referring to the girls that would read the book, because I was thinking, you know, there's going to be like one 40 year old guy that picks it up. That's a groupie for y'all. And it reminded me there's a great SNL sketch with Paul Rudd, who was a, uh, a group oh, One that. Direction. Yes. It, you know, One Direction comes funny. back full circle here in this conversation.
3: Oh, love One Direction. <laughs> wow. I, I do know for a fact that a few guys have read the book and I'm like, you know what? More power to them. I think there's advice in there that's universal for Honestly, people. Honestly, it will help them understand girls a lot more too. I mean, oh. it's definitely designed with women. It's, it's it's you know, pink and it's very girly, the whole design of it. But I, yeah, I do think there's some a lot of advice. There's in there a lot of universal.
2: advice that's universal, except for like, you know, what types of guys to avoid. <laughs> but like, they can look at the planning your future The faith chapter, the family chapter, your relationship with you chapter, every single thing can be applicable to that too.
0: By the time this episode drops, the book um, will have been in readers' hands for about four months. What kind of feedback are you getting back from your readers?
2: We're getting a lot of incredible feedback. Like, We are so proud of this book and we are so happy that people are being helped by it and they're learning so much and it's such a beautiful thing.
0: All right. Your YouTube channel stars, you uh, you've got a tour, uh, you're bringing five brothers along in your shadow. What, what other projects are you working on?
3: Well, 2020, I think is going to be a really cool year for us. There's going to be a lot of, um, just, we, we really want to grow as a band and kind of expand our brand. We were just talking about this recently. Um, right now, we're kind of just in a flurry of projects. Like we're finishing our tour, we just came out with our book. We've got our podcast going on. There's just we, you know, ton of new merch that we just launched. Um, there's a lot on our plate right now. So I think going into 2020, we definitely want to be putting out more original music. We're already looking oh, at yeah. four dates. Um, we're thinking about new ways that we can expand our brand on YouTube. Learning how to
2: not overbook ourselves.
3: Yeah, we're we're trying to balance it all as young business women. It's hard. Yeah, and on a personal note, I'll be getting married in 2020, so it's going to be an exciting year, and I think a lot of cool changes and new things will await us, and I'm just, I think we're all very excited to see what God has in store for us yeah. in 2020. Well,
0: if you want to stay connected with the sisters, check out their website, com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Of course, go out and purchase Believe in You wherever books are sold. Uh, Catherine Amy thank you for taking the time and of course extension to your sister thank you for being uh, a better example of sibling love than I can say for my two brothers Um, but above all thank you for your faith-centered example uh, to your fans and many others
2: thank you thank you so much much. thanks for having us yeah thank you for having us it's been really fun
1: Since 2016, CBF has brought you over 100 episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for Conversations That Matter. These stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the United States and the world. We are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests
0: Well, that's it. That's our conversation. Be sure to support our annual sponsors by visiting their websites at fuller.edu and healthychurch.org. Check out cbf.net for information about our church starters, field personnel, advocacy work, chaplains, and much more. Oh, and uh, one more thing. I don't think we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but visit cbf.net backslash podcast support for ways that you can contribute to the CBF podcast conversations and get some pretty cool stuff in return.